Welcome to today's episode of Inconceivable, where we talk to ordinary people who have extraordinary stories. My name is Samantha Young, and today we'll take an almost 50-year broadcasting journey with the extraordinary Robert Young, known in radio land as Robin Daniels. He'll share the changes in the industry and his opinion of radio surviving in a podcasting world. Bob is an old and dear friend of mine, but since we're talking radio today, I'll call him Robin. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Samantha. Thank you for having me. Robin's been in radio since he was 16 years old. He began his career in Rome, Georgia, and has worked at stations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Oregon, Alaska, North Carolina, and Tennessee. He's performed nearly every job imaginable on the on-air side of the business, from on-air personality to program director and everything in between. He currently works as the music director for Sunny 92.3 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's also the afternoon traffic reporter for Sunny, along with sister stations Hits 96 and Classic Country 97.3, 99.3. His knowledge of radio is endless, and I'm glad he's willing to share some of that knowledge today. Uh, it's been a fun ride for, for the last, well, it's been 49 years, 72 was when I first got into it. So it's been a fun ride and, and, and I've done some other things along the way, but I've always come back to radio because, uh, because I love it. Robin started in radio at 16 because of an opportunity at WROM in Rome, Georgia. And WROM had a show that they called High School Highlights, which on Thursday nights, uh, a representative from each high school in the area would come down and they would talk about mostly it was what the sports teams were doing or what the uh, drama club was doing or what, uh, you know, what, what the activity that uh, the school was involved in. And then you would, uh, you know, finish up your little five minute report by dedicating a song to somebody. However, his love for radio started much earlier. So I think I had wanted to be involved in radio all along. And a lot of that goes back. I had older sisters, uh, nine and 11 years older than I. So when the Beatles came to America, I was seven years old. And so they would have been 16 and 18. And they listened to the radio a lot, and as teenage girls do. And I just wanted to do whatever they did because I thought that uh, they were really cool. So uh, you went to college. You majored in communications. Right. Once told me that there came a point that you had to kind of decide, am I going on air? Am I going to go towards sports? I know you love sports and had worked in that area. So why did you choose the on-air side of it? Well, I saw sports as a pastime. I didn't know that ESPN would uh, come along uh, a couple of years later. If I had known uh, or, or that there would be such a thing as ESPN, I might have stayed in sports because there were lots of opportunities for uh, young people because they were just kind of finding their way. You're saying if you'd waited a couple of years, you might have made a different decision or you just... Yeah, I think I think well, I think there would have been more opportunity for me, or, or the opportunity would have hit me in the face and said, "Look, you know, that we're we need somebody, we need people. We've got all these basketball games that we want to put on the air, and we need people to call the play-by-play. And uh, you've got that experience, uh, which I would have had more experience, like say after a couple of years. But I, I came to the point where they said, "Okay, well, you can keep doing the sports and keep doing the play-by-play." or you can take care of music uh, programming and uh, writing and producing commercials. And I, I chose that route. 
So you just said, you know, you got out of college, you were 21. So let's let's jump ahead to 1978. You were 22. Mm-hmm. The TV show WKRP in Cincinnati premiered. It was a huge success. In fact, if you read about it, they launched many groups, made them more popular than they expected them to be. And I've read that announcers uh, really liked it because it was the first time it showed what went on behind the mic. Yes. But uh, what did your friends think of the show, and uh, how many of the characters did you recognize? Oh, we loved it. The, the guys that I worked with, and, and um, it was on whatever night of the week it was on, the next day, uh, the talk around the station, hey, did you watch WKRP last night? What do you think about this? Or, gosh, wasn't that funny that they did this and this or that? Uh, did I recognize uh, they were all composites? But, yes, I recognized uh, characters that were uh, characters on the show. On-air personalities are critical for sales and promotions as well. Uh, you know, the Herb, uh, Frank Bonner, the actor, just passed away recently, really played that character of kind of the uh, anything for money sales. And, and I've encountered that off and on and still do from time to time. They have an idea for a promotion and a lot of times we'll say, uh, no, we, you know, you, we don't want to do that promotion that way, but we'll do it this way and, uh, you know, take it back to them and see if they see if they'll agree to that. And oftentimes they do because they know that we're the experts as far as, you know, reaching our audience. Well, speaking of promotions, of course, WKRP is famous for its Thanksgiving Day promotion. <laughs> um, as God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. What was your what's what's your favorite promotion that you've ever done? What's uh, or what are some of the more memorable ones? I recall in when I first came to Chattanooga that uh, the station I worked for gave away a Mercedes, and there was a listen you know call in to qualify component, and uh, and, and actually I, when we first started it we melted down the phone system. Uh, because so many people were calling in. But then we also had a uh, a day where we went to, and I can't remember what the business was, but we went to a business somewhere. I think it was a furniture store. And we told people to come by and they can register to uh, in person. They don't That way they don't have to worry about being the ninth caller. And we stopped traffic on a major roadway. Um, and and I, I, will, uh, I will never forget that. And we're going to get get into that in the competition a little bit later um one more thing i was thinking about wkrp i love the part when they change the format and johnny changes his name on air and so i know you use the name robin daniels on the air does everybody change their name or um or why no, did not, you- everybody, not everybody and i recall years ago in pennsylvania i worked with a guy named roger scarlett and i thought boy what a great radio name that is and he insisted on calling himself jim daly but that that, that always stuck out and and you know what what i did was when i i, I worked for uh, a couple of years in anchorage alaska and uh the station there that i worked for did call out research and this is and and this is something that you don't see in radio anymore but they would uh, hire people that would come in and just randomly call numbers or they would get numbers of, for people that, that fit the demographic and they would call and they say, do you like this song and this song and this song? And then occasionally they would ask, you know, questions. What do you like about the station? You know, what personalities do you like? And I was Bob Young on the air, which is to, you know, that's kind of like John Smith. I mean, that's a pretty 
generic name if you stop and think about it. And uh, I recall one of the uh, call-out people telling me that uh, that she got a lot of people responding. You know, I like that guy that's on at night. I can't remember his name, but but uh, you know, I like the way he sounds on the air. And so I thought, well, I just have to come up with a uh, with a different uh, with a different name. But FM radio has a lot more competition these days. You're competing with Sirius, and um, and then of course there's podcasting. Right. Um, how does that affect? How has that affected what you do? Well, for me, um, first of all, the traffic part of it that I do. Well, the the, the traffic reports. That's there's immediacy there. Uh, part of the um, part of what makes podcasting attractive, I think, is people can listen to the podcast whenever they have time to listen to the podcast. And uh, if you want, and and if I were to do a podcast that had a uh, six-hour-old traffic report in it, that's not going to do anybody any good. So the immediacy is still something where radio has uh, has an advantage. Uh, if it, if there is information that people want or people need, uh, I don't see podcasting so much as a music source as it is uh, engagement. You know, my engagement as far as doing traffic is, is that I'm telling you information that is current, that is happening right now. And if you're listening to a podcast, you're, you're engaged. You're, you're kind of hanging on. You, you, don't, you don't listen to a podcast just to have some ba- to have background noise. The immediacy of radio was never more clear than in 1993. In 1993, Chattanooga had a blizzard that was not to be believed. You left home. Your family didn't see you for three days because you couldn't get home. I mean, the snow was that deep. And, uh, you know, power was out. Communications were out. Why was um, radio so important then? And what could you do then that podcasters even now can't do? Well, it's it's the same example for the traffic. It's immediacy. Where radio really... uh, had its, you know, one of its best moments was that there were people out there that did not have power and they needed firewood to keep warm and, uh, and their phone worked. And so they could call the radio station and they'd say, hi, I live uh, at this and this and this place and I need, uh, you know, I need firewood and somebody listening uh, would say, well, you know what? I got a, I got a four by four and I can get some firewood and I can bring that to that person. So making that connection is something that could only happen with radio, could only happen with something that was happening in real time. In a TV interview, Robin added this. And I've read in, in uh, trade magazines about other stations in San Francisco that had to deal with the earthquake a couple of years ago, stations in Miami that had to deal with the hurricane last uh, August or September, whenever it was the, the hurricane hit down there. And you don't really grasp what those guys had to go through, uh, or I didn't, don't feel that I had a grasp uh, of what those guys had to go through at those stations until now, until what I've been through here with this uh, storm of 1993. And people need to know information, the fact that radio is there, and just how important uh, our job is as broadcasters in keeping people informed and also getting help to people that need it. So do you think uh, talk radio has had more, has been affected more by the newer technology than uh, 
music? I think it's been affected differently. I think, well, that's an interesting question. I, I think that, uh, again, many news talk radio stations are dependent on what the, the headline of the day is. You only have X amount of time to talk about it before you have to move on to your next subject or you have to move on to your, you know, your segment that's, that's about sports or that's about you know, something else. Uh, you've got to you know, fit that into your hour-long right. format clock, as they call it in, in, in the right. radio business. Um, you know, with a podcast, I don't know that it's the podcast is uh, goes where it needs to go with as much time as it needs to take. And I have noticed that a lot of actors and actresses and newscasters and just all kinds of people are getting into this podcast act, almost implying anybody can be a podcaster, which I guess they can. I mean, all you need is yeah. a mic and some right. equipment, but you know, anybody can't be on the radio. Um, how does this affect the broadcasting industry? Well, I had a, had a distant cousin that, uh, <laughs> that I became acquainted with. And uh, when he found out that, uh, that I worked in, in broadcasting and, and he said, uh, you know, uh, I've been thinking about starting a podcast. And I said, well, what do you want to talk about? Well, I'll just talk about anything. Okay, that's fine. And I've heard some really bad podcasts where people are, they really don't have anything to say. They don't have anything to say other than uh, they're complaining about uh, somebody that done them wrong. In other words, there's nothing compelling. There has to be compelling content. People aren't going to listen to something that's that's not compelling. So yes, anybody can have a podcast, but uh, when you find something that is compelling, uh, you're going to seek that out and you're going to listen to it. And that's something that that radio can't compete with in terms of engage, engaging people on that level. You know, again, we're we have to be a little bit, not so much a little bit of everything, but uh, we're. Our, I guess the difference that what I would say the difference between radio and podcasting is radio is companionship, podcasting is engagement. So after 50 years, radio's changed. It's still alive and kicking. Can radio and podcasts, can FM radio survive? I, I, I think that the, the podcasting world and FM radio or music uh, oriented radio. I, I think, uh, to me, to my way of thinking, the dividing line is 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 FM radio uh, or music oriented radio. Can it compete with with other music sources such as Sirius or uh, Spotify or you know music services like that? Podcasting, I think, is more information oriented, and so I think there the is it podcasting and uh, news and talk radio because they're kind of they're they're you know one side of the fence and music and music services are the other side of the fence can they coexist yes because podcasts will never be able to duplicate radio's immediacy and radio will never be able to duplicate a podcast's depth where do you see the industry five years from now um, I saw a the the new 
editor of the Los Angeles Times. I saw an interview with him recently, and one of the things that he's been trying to do is to, uh, I mean, the, the website for the Los Angeles Times has all kinds of different uh things that you can go to, to uh, not only to read news stories, but to engage. And he said that the Los Angeles Times is not so much a newspaper anymore as it is an engagement engine. It, it, I, th I think radio will always be around and it will always be there in some form, but it's never going to enjoy the, the breadth of the audience that it has has had uh, over the past, uh, you know, 80 years. Well, there you have it, an expert's opinion. I'm Samantha Young in Gastonia, North Carolina, and you've been listening to Inconceivable. Remember, listeners, be true to yourself and you can never go wrong. Until next time, stay extraordinary. Stay extraordinary.